Welcome to the Focus Church Podcast. Thank you for joining us today. We hope that it inspires you and gives you a fresh perspective. Enjoy the sermon. Come on, let's give God some praise today at all of our locations. Come on, you can do better than that. Thank God for his presence. Man, I'm so grateful to be here today if we haven't had a chance to meet yet. And if you'll just do us one favor, if you're here for the first time, we know it's a big deal. That is to fill out this purple U-card at all of our locations. We are one church in three locations, and there should be a U-card within the vicinity wherever you are today. And uh, if you fill this out and take it to the lobby on your way out today, it's just our way of saying welcome home and thank you. And we would love to put a gift in your hand. We know that finding a church home is a huge struggle. Is it too cold? Is it too warm? Is it too long? Is it too loud? Is it too soft? Do my kids like it? Did my husband like it? Did my wife like it? All of those questions. And we're trying to accomplish two things today and two things alone. We want you to sense the presence of God like never before. And we want you to meet the nicest people in Raleigh. If we accomplish those two things, we're doing our job. Let's clap our hands. Welcome all of our first time guests today at all of our locations. Shout out to the South Side. In Garner, shout out to the west side. In Apex, shout out to the east side. In East Raleigh, right outside of Kaydale, Nightdale. We are so glad uh, that you are with us this morning, and uh, we're glad to be in church. We are in a series of messages titled Armed and Dangerous. And if you have one of those note cards that they handed you on your way in, you could go ahead and grab that. We believe in taking notes as a church. Uh, you uh, remember a lot more when you write it down, and I'm not going to be there Tuesday when you're trying to argue with your coworker about what the armor of God is. So you're going to have notes, and you'll have the verse right there with you. You could put this somewhere where you can remember to put on the full armor of God every single day. And uh, I'm really, really grateful to be preaching this morning out of Ephesians chapter six. If each Ephesians chapter six, if you have a copy of God's Word, aren't you grateful for this church? Aren't you grateful for the presence of God? Man, I don't know about you, but I've been to some churches, and uh, I like this one, that's for sure. I've been to some churches this week. I like this one. Ephesians chapter 6, 13 and 14. I'm going to read it once, and then we're going to read it together. So I'm going to give you a head start to be able to read it under your breath, and then we're going to read it out loud. Therefore, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you have done everything to stand, stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist and the breastplate of righteousness in place. Now we're going to read it together. So go back to verse 13, 1, 2, 3 at all of our locations. Therefore, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you have done everything to stand, stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist and the breastplate of righteousness in place. Father, we love your word. It leads us and it guides us in the world where it can be confusing, outside where it can be a struggle. We know that we can stand our ground on your word. And maybe, Lord, at the sound of my voice at all of our locations, there's been some shaky ground this week. There's been some situations that have caused us to really rethink life and rethink decisions. And there's been maybe an attack. Maybe there's something against us. And we just, we stand our ground today on your word. We take new ground as believers and as followers of Jesus. We ask that you would 
lead us and guide us into your truth today through the preaching of your word. May it not be my words that get spoken today, but may they be straight from the throne room of God. I pray that your presence would be so evident that even people who might not know who you are right now in this moment, by the time we are done today, would have surrendered and acknowledged you as their Lord and Savior. We give you all glory and all honor and all praise this morning. It's a privilege to be in your presence. We are honored and humbled to be here today. In Jesus' name, everybody said amen amen. and amen. Paul is writing this from a jail cell to people in a town called Ephesus. If you haven't had a chance to see the other uh, sermons in this series, our YouTube channel is stocked. So you can just go on YouTube. If you type in Focus Church, you can find it and you can watch it. But what scholars believe is that Paul is writing this from a prison cell and kind of like in his, in his peripheral vision, he sees a guard. He has a guard kind of watching over him. And so as he's writing this letter, he starts to do a parallel between what it means to be clothed or fully equipped with the armor of God and the actual guard that is right there next to him. If you uh, don't know what that armor would look like in the ancient world, I think we have uh, like a chat GPT AI version of what we believe, you know, to be what the armor of God would look like or the armor of the, of the soldier would look like. That guy is yoked, dude. I don't know if he was that Caucasian, but we're just going to go with that picture for right now. It was the best representation of what we were trying to show. The armor in the ancient world was about 70 pounds. It was 70 pounds of additional weight. And last week we talked about the belt of truth upon which we stand and it sustains our core. That if you don't have truth in your life, then you won't be able to sustain the attack of the enemy because you won't have core strength. And that it's important that it's not just for fashion, but it's for function. Come on, somebody. The, the, the armor of God is not for fashion. It's for function. Uh, the armor of God is not so that you look saved, not so that you look Christian. It's so that you are saved, so that you are Christian, so that you can withstand the attack of the enemy. And so we're going to move into the breastplate of righteousness today. And uh, the breastplate of righteousness is important because we need to look first at what a breastplate does. A breastplate, if you're taking notes today, it is protection for vital organs. Protection for vital organs. See, the breastplate guards your heart. <laughs> Some of you need to guard your heart. You've been going out with the same guy, just different names for a long time. You need to guard your heart. You need to put some righteousness on. Come on, somebody. You need to stop swiping and start really standing your ground and put the breastplate of righteousness on. I'm preaching today. Nobody's saying nothing, but that's all right. You need to guard your heart. You need to guard your heart. It also guards your lungs. What you breathe in is important. The Spirit of God is translated into pneuma or the breath of God. It's important, the air quality of your spiritual life. How many of you know this week in New York and parts of the Northeast from Canada, the wildfires came, came down, the wildfires came down, and it caused the worst air quality in New York's history. Why? Because the the smoke came through and it covered all of the buildings. You couldn't see visibility was at an all-time low. I don't know about you, but I want to make sure that the breath of God that is in my lungs is protected and filtered to be full of the Spirit. Amen. So good. I don't care how strong you are. Yeah. I don't care how smart you are. If I stab you in the heart, you're gone. Right. I don't care if you got more degrees than a thermometer. <laughs> I don't care if you know God personally. 
don't care how long you've walked on this earth. I don't care if you're, 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 you're a saint, a senior saint. I don't care if you're 10 years younger than God. If I stab you in the heart, you're done. Why? Because you have to protect your heart. We've lost sight of this and we fall into temptation and the enemy knows how to attack us. And if he can get to our heart, then he can dismantle all of our belief systems, all of our faith. And we end up, instead of clothed in righteousness, we end up clothed in shame, clothed in regret, clothed in anger and bitterness and sin. And we allow the enemy to creep in and attack. That's why we have to protect our vital organs. The closest thing to a modern day breastplate of righteousness that I could find is a bulletproof vest. Son, would you please come here to the stage as quickly as you can? This is my son, uh, my only son. So help me put this thing on. This is uh, a bulletproof vest, courtesy of uh, someone who works for the police department in our church. Let's thank God for all of our law enforcement. Because this thing ain't light. This, this would be like the modern day equivalent to a breastplate of righteousness. <laughs> it's not light, but it's protective. You can't just have some sort of uh, fashionable breastplate. It actually has to have plates inside of it. As a matter of fact, I can't take it apart right now, but in the back of this thing, there is a metal plate that withstands any attack of the enemy. What I love about the breastplate of righteousness and about this vest is that it doesn't just protect my chest, but it also protects my back. The enemy will not just attack you where you think he's going to attack you, but sometimes he will attack you on all sides, both the front and the back. So you need to be prepared, fully clothed and fully armed and dangerous. Why? Because the enemy knows that if he can get to the vital parts of your life, that if he can get to the vital organs of your life, then he can dismantle and destroy you. So are you equipped with the breastplate of righteousness? Do you have protection over your vital organs? Or are you allowing the enemy to infiltrate places that you should suit up and be ready to go? I don't know about you, but I met a lot of Christians. They got suit and tie, but they got no breastplate of righteousness. They got a nice dress on, but they got no breastplate of righteousness. They got a church hat on, but they got no breastplate of righteousness. They look saved. They look Christian, but you could get rid of them really quickly because there's no armor. So you can't see the plate, but there's a plate back here. You can try to attack me all you want. There's, first of all, there's 27 dudes and gals that are on the safety team. But even if you got this far, I got... I got uh, this vest, and it's important that we be armed and dangerous. Do you, are, you, are you ready for the attack of the enemy? Are you ready? Are you ready to, to withstand the attack, to stand firm as, as the, thank you, son. Are you ready to withstand the attack of the enemy on both the front and the back? That's why it causes, it, you need prayer and fasting. It's both sides. It's not one or the other, it's both. That's why you need praise and worship. (laughs) That's why it saddens me sometimes because you miss the first song, but the first song is praise. (laughs) The first song is how we enter into this place. (laughs) I know it takes a long time to check in your kids. I know the parking lot's getting crazier, especially at the 10 a.m. with all the traffic, but let me tell you right now, the Bible says to enter into his courts with 
praise, praise and thanksgiving. We start with praise. You got to have praise and worship. <laughs> praise says, I give you everything no matter, no matter who you are. I'm, I'm here to put you in your rightful place. Worship says, I humble myself and surrender to your will and to your ways. There won't be class for this one, but it's tithe and offering. Come on, somebody. <laughs> Why is the enemy attack? Tithe and offering. Come on, somebody. They don't like that one. It's, it's important that you understand that the breastplate of righteousness protects the most vital parts of your life. So we know what a breastplate does. We know what a breastplate is. Now we need to know what righteousness is. <laughs> Righteousness is important because it's mentioned many times in Scripture. And if you have a bad definition of righteousness, it can lead to bad theology. Theology is, is what you believe it to be a, true about God. And so you need to have good theology. And a way to have good theology is to really understand the meaning of righteousness. I'm not talking about self-righteousness. I'm not talking about a pharisaical mindset or someone that is religious and self-righteous who thinks that they did something to earn their righteousness. That's not the righteousness that we're talking about. We're not talking about a uniform that you put on to prove how holy you are. We're not talking about a uniform that you put on to prove how righteous you are in your effort. I'm talking about the righteousness that comes from God. And so what is righteousness and how do we receive it and how do we sustain it? Righteousness is both received and sustained. Here's, here's the definition of righteousness, the best one I could find during my study time this week. Righteousness is right living to meet a standard and to pass inspection. Right living to meet a standard and to pass inspection. I don't know about you, but I am, I am drawn in these last days that we live in to make sure that I'm living right. Whenever I hit a good shot on the golf course, they say, you must be living right. <laughs> you must be living right. See, righteousness is right living to meet a standard and to pass inspection. And many people are not living right. Many people will not meet the standard that Christ set here on this earth and left us with. Many people will not pass inspection when God calls them home. I want to meet a standard. I want to pass the inspection. And I want to actually live right. This is old school preaching. It shouldn't be foreign. It's, righteousness shouldn't be a foreign concept. But in a day where you can do whatever you want, where when nothing is wrong, <laughs> then nothing matters. There's no standard. There's no moral container. There's no inspection to be passed so you can do whatever you want because everything is right. That's not, how, that's not the case. That's not the case. Well, what does righteousness do? Proverbs 13, 6 says, righteousness guards the person of integrity, but wickedness overthrows the sinner. Our world is being overthrown because it's no longer righteous, it's rotten. We've exchanged righteousness for rottenness. We are now celebrating and affirming rottenness 
when God, through his son Jesus, has given us righteousness. So what's the opposite of righteousness? It's rottenness. And the enemy is drawn towards rotten behavior. God is drawn towards righteous behavior. The enemy is drawn towards rotten behavior. Anybody ever had a fruit bowl? We have a fruit bowl at our house. I like to call it the place where fruit goes to die. For some reason, it never all gets eaten, and it all ends up rotten. And when you have rotten fruit, it results in fruit flies. Y'all ever had fruit flies? Like the Exodus. It was like our third or fourth Easter as a church, and we were meeting in Middle Creek High School, and the theater... um, department had had a play going on and they had left a a huge trash can full of food uh, on the stage over the whole week. So we got in to the the school early on Sunday morning to set everything up and it was like, we're like, welcome to Focus. (laughs) The kids ministry is safe, clean and fun, but today it's only safe and fun (laughs) because this thing is crazy. So you don't have to invite the fruit flies in. They're drawn towards the rottenness. (laughs) They don't get a formal invitation. (laughs) They simply are drawn towards the areas in your life that are actually, the enemy is drawn towards a sliver of rottenness. And what will happen is it will actually make way if you're not covered in righteousness to an attack of the enemy. So it starts by just simply doing a double take at the gym, gentlemen, and then it leads Am I preaching to anybody today? I'm so sorry. And then it leads to scrolling endlessly on the internet. It starts with staying late after work, but it actually leads to us. Why? Because the enemy is drawn to rottenness. And I've met so many people who want good fruit, (laughs) but they live in unrighteously. They're living in rottenness. So it doesn't matter how many flies you try to kill. If you haven't removed the fruit out of the bowl. So I didn't have to formally invite them in, the fruit flies. My rottenness invites them in. We need a righteous church. We need a righteous people of God. We need to know that the enemy's invasion is always started by invitation. Oh, I'm preaching now. The enemy's invasion is always started by invitation. Just take a bite of that piece of fruit. Just take a bite. You'll see like God. Your eyes will be open. (laughs) Surely the Lord told us not to eat of this tree. She took it, and then they felt shame. Exchanged perfect righteousness, perfect holiness. Adam and Eve exchanged perfect right standing with God for rottenness. So I got a couple of thoughts on righteousness that I think will help you because if you're not careful, you'll get it confused with acting and not living. I'm not interested in a church that acts righteous. (laughs) I'm interested in a church that is righteous. Here's the first point if you're taking notes today. Righteousness can be faked, (laughs) But God, nor the enemy, is fooled. 
It can be faked, but God is not fooled. <laughs> oh, you look like you got it. <laughs> you look all buttoned up, <laughs> but you can't fool God. <laughs> I'm so grateful that my children's bedrooms are upstairs and that the living area and the place where we host people is downstairs. Whatever you do, don't go up there. <laughs> because downstairs can look ready to receive guests and family members and friends, but don't go upstairs. <laughs> we can have the perception of being ready to receive guests. But when I, I have three teenagers, so please pray for me. They're all in youth group. They all have to go to youth camp where you had to take out a second mortgage to pay for the, the kids to go to school and camp and eat, things like that. And I'll say, clean your room. I won't tell you which one of the three. I'll tell all three, clean the room. And two of them might, one of them. It will look clean, but I can hear the creaking door of the closet. And I just barely move the doorknob. I get hit with all the stuff because it looked clean, but it wasn't clean. Many people, they, they fake righteousness, but they don't have righteousness. If you really got to the core of who they were on the inside, they have been sweeping sin under the rug for a long time. They've been stuffing sin into the closet to where they come on Sundays and lift their hands, but on Tuesdays, those same hands are doing things that do not line up with the righteous standard that God has set in his word. Now, you cannot achieve righteousness on your own. Righteousness is actually something that was given by God through Jesus. That's why Romans 3.10 says there is no one righteous, not even one. So give up the game of faking it. Give up the game of trying to be full of effort or production, trying to produce results, and instead surrender your mess to Jesus. Stop trying to hide it in the closet of your soul and start saying, God, today these hands are yours. Today these eyes are yours. Today these ears are yours. Today these thoughts are yours. You get so good at managing your sin when Jesus has called you to have victory over sin. See, Jesus didn't come to help you manage sin. Jesus came to help you have victory over sin. Some of you are the general manager of the secret sins in your life while you should be the victor over every sin and everything that has come against you. Stop trying to hide it and start overcoming it. I'm preaching way better than this church is shouting this morning. I've met too many people trying to hide their sin instead of surrender their sin to the righteousness of God. You need to know, you need to know. righteousness is available to us. Righteousness is available. Number two, righteousness is first embraced, not earned. Hear me. You have to embrace righteousness, not earn it. <laughs> Maybe you grew up in a system where you had to earn righteousness. It's not the case, my friends. If you weren't at church, you lost the righteousness point. You know, 
If you didn't serve, you lost the righteousness point. That's not how righteousness works. It's first embraced, not earned. This probably is the most important thing you can learn today. And I need to go a little deep for the deep wells in the room. If you're someone that's like, I don't really want to learn today, just hold tight. I'll be back in just a couple of minutes. But there are, are, there are two ways that righteousness plays out in your life. Number one, righteousness is both imputed and imparted. Hear me. Righteousness is imputed. If you're taking notes, this is a good place to take notes. And imparted. Imputed means that righteousness was given to us at the moment of salvation. You were righteous the moment you acknowledged Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. You were justified. Justification is how you experience salvation. I know it's deep, but I'm just trying to help you understand that there are two forms in which righteousness plays out. Number number one, it's imputed. It's thrust upon you. It's given to you. You couldn't do anything to earn it. You couldn't do anything to deserve it. The righteousness of God became who you were on the inside. Your soul received justification. What is justification? I'm so glad you asked. Justification is as if you had never sinned. Woo! Thank God for grace. Thank God for justification. When the day you got saved, God saw you as if you had never sinned. He threw your sins as far as the east is from the west. Imputed righteousness means I live my life. I'm saved as though I was, I was never sinful. Whew. How freeing is that? That if you are a believer today, don't return to the rottenness Live under the imputed righteousness that came from God through his son, Jesus. Oh, you need some Bible to back it up. I'm really glad you asked. Please give me some scriptures. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Hallelujah. You need more verses. 1 Peter 2.24 He himself bore our sins in his body on the cross so that we might manage our sins. That we might die to sin and live for what? So the question is, (laughs) I get asked all the time, am I saved or am I being saved? And the the answer is yes. (laughs) Am I saved? Or am I being saved? Yes. Am I holy? Or am I being made holy? Yes. Am I righteous? And am I being sanctified to become more righteous? Yes. Let me explain it this way. You have three components to uh, who you are. You have a body, you have a soul, and you have a spirit. Uh, let's look at you as a, a one person in three components. You have a body, which is your flesh, which you have to battle with all the time. Your flesh tends to be the last one to the party of your sanctification. <laughs> it's like this morning, I flew in from Dallas uh, at 2.30 in the morning, and so I have to worship with my spirit <laughs> and let my body catch up to where I'm at right now. Does that make sense? Like, I'm not preaching to you out of my flesh right now. I'm not allowing my body to dictate the response 
that I'm going to be delivering from the sacred desk of the scriptures. You can't let your body make the decisions for you. It will always lead you astray. So the, what the Bible says to do with your body is you got to crucify it. You got to crucify the flesh every day. I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to do that. I'm going to crucify my flesh. And then, then you have your soul, which is in your mind. This is where a lot of battles get, get fought because your spirit has been saved and sanctified, but your mind continues to need to be transformed. This is a little deep, but I, I, I think it's important that you understand. Your body is the last to the party, and your mind is usually where most battles are won and lost. It's in your soul. But the Bible says to be ye transformed by the what? The renewing of your mind. See, if you start thinking differently about your life, watch what happens when your, your body starts to change. Your, your, your battles start to change because you start to change the way that you think. Once you change the way that you think, you start to win battles. So you got your body, you got your soul, and then you have your spirit. Now here's the deal. When you acknowledge Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, when you confess your sins, guess what? Your spirit is immediately saved. Locked in. But your body, some of y'all, it's taken a long time to get your body to catch up with what your spirit has acknowledged. I'm so grateful that we are a church that doesn't expect the outside to get put together before you can acknowledge your need for God on the inside. I'm not saying that you can stay the way that you are. What I'm telling you is that once your soul is saved, there is a process of sanctification that happens. So yes, you might not look like you're saved. You might not act like you're saved. You might not behave like you're saved, but it started in your spirit. And when your spirit was saved, it was saved. good theology right there. So the question is, a real strong question, has your spirit been born again? Have you been born again? Do you, can you go back to a place in time where you surrendered your spirit to the will of God? Can you go back to a place in time where your soul, your mind was surrendered to the will of God? And can you go to a place where your daily flesh is crucified to the will of God. So we have imputed righteousness. That's righteousness that makes justified. It makes you justified. You, it's as if you'd never sinned when you got saved. But then there is imparted righteousness. Now this is worked on every day. This is the daily grind of sanctification. Justification comes through salvation. Sanctification comes through holy and righteous living. It is possible to be saved and be still being sanctified. So you have to know that you have imputed righteousness and imparted righteousness. Here's the last point. And the piano player can come. Righteousness transforms us from the inside out, not the outside in. So we are transformed from righteousness to righteousness. And once that we have received imputed righteousness that we cannot change, we did not deserve it, nothing we could do to earn it, then we begin to, to live out imparted righteousness and we let that be the transformation. Ephesians 4.20 says this, that, however, is not the way of life that you have learned. When you heard about Christ and were taught 
in him in accordance to the truth that is in Jesus, you were taught in, with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its evil desires. He's talking about the flesh. Your old self will try to be corrupted by evil desires and put on a new self created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. See, your body will be born again once you die. But your soul needs to be born again every single day. We'll receive a new body when we, when we die, but we can receive new mercies every day. We'll receive a new body once we pass, but we get a new mind every day. So I, am, I have imputed righteousness according to my justification, but I have imparted righteousness according to my sanctification. That's why I can't go to some of the places that other people go. That's why I can't do some of the things that other people do. It's, it's, it's not because I'm better than you. It's not because I'm holier than thou. It's because my righteousness is being imparted. And every day that I take a step towards sanctification, sin looks less appetizing. Hiding my sin looks less appetizing. My guilt is coming off and the righteousness, the breastplate of righteousness is coming on. Shame is coming off of you today and righteousness is being imputed and imparted to you today. You got to know. Well, how do I, how do I, how do I work this thing out? I'm so glad that you ask. Whatever you feed grows and whatever you starve dies. Feed the flesh, it's going to grow. Starve the flesh, it's going to be crucified. Feed the spirit, it grows. If you feed your spirit, it's righteousness. When you feed your flesh, it's rottenness. When you feed your spirit, it's righteousness. When you feed your flesh, it's rotten. Rottenness attracts the enemy. Righteousness <laughs> attracts victory. My rottenness will attract the attack of the enemy, but my righteousness attracts victory. So I'm able to suit up in the full armor of God. Not because of anything that I have done, but because of the righteousness that was imputed. It was thrust upon us. I close with this last point. The same Jesus that saves us is the Jesus that sanctifies us. Maybe you came in here today and you want to know what it's like to have imputed righteousness, righteousness delivered to you. I'm going to ask that at all of our locations, we just quietly bow our heads and close our eyes with no one scurrying around. We have plenty of time. Maybe today you say, I do not know righteousness. I only know rottenness. My life is full of just stuff that I know would not attract victory. It's attracting the enemy. I'm under attack. I've never been saved. I've never even sensed the righteousness of God. And I want to let you know, he who knew no sin became sin on your behalf so that we might become the righteousness of God. And you, my friend, who's here today that has never experienced the righteousness of God, you are one decision in your spirit away 
from receiving imputed righteousness. So at all of our locations, with every head bowed, every eye closed, I'm about to count to three. And you say, I need this. My life is rotten. I'm far from God. And I need to be reminded that I need him as my Lord and Savior. I want to surrender my life to him by acknowledging him as my Lord and Savior. See, raising your hand does not make you saved. But it it actually acts as a marker for your spirit that today was the day that I was transformed from the inside out. So maybe you came in here today, you are in need of a savior. You're in need of a loving father. You're in need to exchange your rottenness for his righteousness. I'm gonna count to three in just a moment and I'm gonna ask you to shoot your hand up at all of our locations. One, pastor, you don't know my story. Let me tell you right now, God does. And he loves you so much. Two, he who knew no sin became sin so that you might become the righteousness of God. God so loved the world that he sent his only son to die on a cross for you so that you wouldn't have to live in rotten eternity. You can have the hope of Jesus and the righteousness of God today. Make that decision. In just a moment, when I say three, I want you to shoot your hand up in the air at all of our locations. One, two, three. Shoot it up. Shoot it up. Shoot it up. Everywhere. Keep it up. Keep it up. Keep it up. I need, I need people moving here. We're going to bring you a car. Just keep your hand up. Keep your hand up. Thank God. Hands everywhere at all of our locations. At all of our locations. Keep your hand up until someone places a little white card in your hand. Keep your hand up. Oh, hell, hell is being plundered right now. We are snatching souls from the devil. We are snatching souls from the devil. Heaven is being populated right now. Raise your hand. Don't, pa- don't let this moment pass you by. Don't let this moment pass you by. Shoot it up in the air. Shoot it up in the air. Make this the moment that you remember forever. Hallelujah. Many around you have already prayed this prayer, but we're all going to pray this prayer together because it's nice to be reminded of what it felt like to be imparted with righteousness. So everyone at the sound of my voice at all of our locations, repeat after me. Say, Father God, I give my life to you. I receive the gift of salvation and I acknowledge you as my Lord and Savior. I put on the full armor of God. I clothe myself in righteousness. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Come on at all of our locations. Let's clap our hands and welcome all of those to the family of God. Thank you for joining us for today's podcast. This ministry is made possible because of the generosity of so many people like you. To partner with us, you can click the link in our description or visit www.givetofocus.com. If you like this podcast, you can subscribe now or share it with a friend. For more inspirational content, subscribe to our YouTube channel, www.youtube.com slash Join us next week for another incredible message.